CBS National News decided to come out and film us. We were on uh, CBS Sunday morning, which after that happened, then everybody, all these people all over the nation said, I want to listen to this music. So then we had huge CD sales and streams. And then our, and then the CD went to number two on billboard that week on the new age chart. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And it, it really just started with, uh, wanting to help my friend. Welcome to the female entrepreneur musician podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. What's going on? This is Brie and you are listening to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience and growing your business. And today I've got an interview with a really diverse singer songwriter, Naomi LaViolette, who caught my eye because of the different work that she was doing in everything from singer songwriter to classical to choral. She's very diverse and she's also very good about sending out her newsletters every month. And I really liked the way she was doing that. So I kind of was keeping tabs on her. And then I saw a couple of projects that she was involved in that I thought would be super interesting to you guys, because not only are they very heart centered, but they're also great for promoting her as a musician and also, you know, making her some money. So we talk about both of these projects near the end of the interview. So I'm not going to give them away, but let me tell you a little bit about Naomi LaViolette. Naomi LaViolette is a performing singer-songwriter, pianist, and recording artist of beautiful heart-inspired music. Her most recently released album, Written For You, is entirely made up of songs that were gifts for other people. Her work as a musician has been featured on CBS Sunday Morning. Her choral pieces can have been performed by choirs all over the Pacific Northwest, and she is an in-demand session player, accompanist, performer, and songwriter. So here is my interview with Naomi LaViolette. So that's a little bit about Naomi LaViolette. So Naomi, is there anything about you that you want to tell our listeners that's maybe a little bit unique, quirky, different, that's not in your bio? Okay, sure. Little known thing about me is I really love surfing, which doesn't match like my music brand really at all. It's not like surf music. And um, I'm I'm like mediocre at it. I'm, I'm not that great, but I really love it. And it's kind of my my escape when I mm. want to travel or have some time to go to the coast. And I and I learned how to surf in Oregon, which is cold. That sounds cr- cold. It's very cold. It's a very <laughs> crazy place to learn. I learned when I was in my early twenties, and I was much tougher then. Mm. <laughs> now I like to try and go to warm water. But yeah, that's kind of quirky and weird, and most people wouldn't expect it of a classically, you know, classical pianist trained thing. So. That's definitely true, for sure. So can you tell us how you got started in music? 
Yeah, well, I was in college and thought uh, I wanted to do music while I was in college, but I thought I should probably major in something a little more practical. <laughs> I remember yeah. being there, that's for sure. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a teacher, my piano teacher there, that really encouraged me to do a music degree. And she, she just said, you should do this. This is like something that you, you actually could make this a career. And it was kind of her believing in me mm. that made me decide to switch my major to music. And I've been at it ever since. And there are times where I kind of wish I had double majored in music and business because of a lot of, a lot of the business of music that I've learned, I've had to learn um, just by doing it and a lot of trial and error. And there are times where I wish I had a little bit more formal training in the business because I, maybe I would have gotten where I am a little more quickly. But Well, I can tell you from experience, I did double major in music and business and I really didn't get any of my business training from college. Like they just don't teach you the kind of scrappy entrepreneur stuff that you need to know as a musician. Mm. So I'm glad you didn't, you didn't waste your time with that. Cause at least that was my experience that I kind of had to learn it while doing like you have been. Yeah. Which is kind of frustrating. Um, maybe, maybe programs are getting better nowadays, hopefully and getting a little more tuned into this solo entrepreneur thing. Yeah, maybe. Or if you go to, you know, specifically like a music business school that right. it's kind of geared towards the independent songwriter, entrepreneur. Right. Somewhere like Berkeley or Belmont or something probably has something that's a lot better than what I got. But, um, mm. you know, I went to a liberal arts school. So what do I expect? And so did I. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I had a great time there. I mean, I, and I have really... Oh, you know, me like, too. And I wouldn't really trade it for anything. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So at this point, um, you, are you a full-time musician? Are you getting all of your money from music stuff or you, do you have like kind of a side gig going on? All the money that I make is from doing music, but I'm also a mom of <laughs> a fourth, fourth graders and sixth graders. So um, I would say that as far as the amount of time I'm able to put into my work, it is kind of like a, a large part-time job. Mm. And then the rest of my time, I'm supporting their lives and being a mom. I get it. I have a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old. So yeah, it, it is rather consuming. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, we have a lot of people listening to the show, you know, struggling artists that are trying to just break through and have some success. And I would love to hear from you, like, was there a time where you felt like, you know, I'm just feel like I'm hitting a wall. I'm not getting anywhere. Maybe I should just give up on this. And how did you get past that? And what did you, what did you learn? Well, probably the toughest time I went through is actually when I um, went through a divorce mm. and I kind of got sort of, I became single and I thought, why am I doing this freelance musician thing? Like where I, I can't completely count on what I'm going to make every month sometimes and I'm having to hustle for work and I'm, I sh maybe I should just go get like a regular job. <laughs> And uh, I started looking around and was looking into maybe arts administration and just something with a steady paycheck. And it was the advice of a man named Tim Ellis, who I will always be indebted to. I just, he, he passed away last year. And um, he told me at that time, he said, why are you going to go and do that? 
why are you going to go and lock yourself into some 40 hour a week job where you will be completely tied down and you won't be able to create anymore? Like, don't do it. And just trust that if you leave yourself open, the work will come. It was, I mean, it was another story of someone that I looked up to that believed in me and encouraged me. And I'm so glad I followed his advice because um, some things have come along my way these past, you know, three or four years that I'm so glad I was available for. Mm. That's true. Because if you're tied down to a, you know, a nine to five, you can't say yes to so many things. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, You've done a lot of different things. Well, let's talk about like the streams of income that you have because I I love seeing all of the, you know, on your website, like all the things that you offer and all the places that you're playing and that you're doing piano and, you know, and you're a singer songwriter and all that. So can you kind of run down like as a musician, what your streams of income look like and, you know, how you, how they all fit together, I guess. Yeah, sure. So uh, one of my regular gigs is I'm the accompanist for the Oregon Repertory Singers, which is just great. Um, they take really good care of me, uh, and it's a you know it's a salaried position, and I have that coming in every month and um, performing with them four times a year, different different concerts, and um, so that's that's always been there, and I've been doing that since think 2005. Mm. And then uh, I also um, record and sell my own music, which I'm still, you know, I'm still learning how to promote it and really sell it and have income come in from that. But um, I'm getting better at that. Um, I play shows uh, around town. And so there's the money that comes in from playing those shows. Uh, I really love writing songs for people. I call them song commissions. So people will uh, hire me to write a song for an upcoming event they have or somebody's birthday or an anniversary. And so that is a really, really gratifying way to make some income. And, uh, you know, I get all these, there's so many little things sometimes that make it all work. So like I'll play for weddings or I'll play for funerals or anniversary parties or, um, you know, there's a company in town that I'm on their roster. And so sometimes he'll, the, it's a booking agent. He'll slot me into different things that he get, he thinks I'm a good fit for. I score music for people. I transcribe music for people. I arrange music for people. Sometimes I'm hired to be a session artist for recording projects. It's just a lot of little things. It is. It's a lot of little things. So let me ask, when you're performing, are you usually performing as a singer-songwriter or do you do any instrumental performances? Do you perform with other groups? Yeah, it's, it's both. So sometimes it's, it's my own music and I get to um, you know sort of headline the show or co-bill co a show and... I hire my own people to support me or sometimes I play solo. Um, but then, you know, I'll be hired to play piano or sing for other groups. Most, most regularly, of course, the organ repertory singers. So yeah, it's kind of a mixture. Uh, do you have any, cause I was looking at your website and it looked like you're playing at 
you know, some of the same places often? Do you have any kind of residency or anything, you know, deal with them where you play once a month or something? Yeah. So I've been once a month at the Benson Hotel for quite a few years now. So I guess that is kind of a residency the second Saturday of the month. And I'm starting to develop one at a vineyard as well, which is kind of a nice place to play because there I can do more of my original material. Whereas Mm -hmm. at the hotel, I kind of have to do covers and sort of it's about keeping the customers feeling comfortable and happy. And so I have to be kind of at their mercy a little bit. Right. How have you found like getting those kind of gigs? Is it just kind of playing there frequently and, you know, developing a relationship and then approaching them or do they usually approach you for like the residency kind of thing? Uh, Well, the residency at the hotel is that's, that's through the booking agent that I have in Portland. And I'm trying to remember how I got connected with him initially. I think I sent him my I had like a kit that I sent him that had a CD I'd released and different places I'd played. And then, you know, he tried me out at one of his spots that he books. And I tried to bring as many people as I could to to show that I could provide a happy crowd Mm. and did that enough times for him that then he slotted me in. That's cool. Yep. It just takes, you know, consistency and persistence, I think. And I think it takes just feeling comfortable with trying to sell yourself like this, you know, trying to play at vineyards and trying to get yourself booked at different places. You have to find a way to graciously, I guess, show them what you're able to provide and make them feel like it would be a huge benefit for them to have live music at their venue, mm-hmm. change so many things and make it so much more wonderful, and all their customers will be so much more happy. So <laughs> they'll all drink more and spend more money and buy exactly <laughs> for sure. That's that's one thing that we can you know facilitate as musicians. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved seeing that you're doing custom songs and you know gift songs. How do you get clients for that? I would say the main way that happens is somebody will come to a show. And they will hear me do a song that is a song commission. And I'll talk about it a little bit, tell a little bit of the story of how that song started. And then it gets them thinking, oh my gosh, it's, you know, my husband's 50th birthday and I have no idea what to get him. I think I'll get him a song, you know, and it kind of sparks that idea. And it's, there's been so many times I hear from people after shows, I think I want to do this. Mm. But the other thing I'm hoping, so my most recent record that I released is basically all song commissions or song gifts. I'd kind of been collecting them over the years and, you know, they didn't really fit into like a, a theme of a record until I thought, what if I just did a record that was all this and uh, I called it written for you. So my hope is that with releasing a record based on this, that it will bring in even more song commissions and, and work writing. So, Oh, I think it's so smart. I mean, as I was thinking about, you know, of course that makes sense to talk about it at a show and that's going to get people excited about it. I think sometimes we, you know, put up a service that we do on our website and just expect people to find it and not realizing that, you know, we can talk about these things at our shows in a very organic way, right? You're not like, hey, this is the service that I provide. You're like, this is what I did and this is where this song came from. And it gets people thinking. And I think that's very smart. And releasing your album this way as well, I think is number one, it's just going to be a great like business card for this service that you provide. 
but it also, I mean, it allows the, the songs that you've created for these people to have legs. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a diverse record because there's a song that was written in memory of someone that had passed away. There's a song, I've, I've had this song that I wrote for my kids for all these years. And it's like, I don't know what record to put this on, but for this one, it was perfect. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, it, it was written for them. And then there's, there's a, you know, kind of just this variety of subject matter, but every song is written for a particular person or experience or event. So I think that's really, really cool. It was fun to make. Awesome. Back to, you know, as we were talking about gigs, like what are your favorite gigs to perform at? I know you're talking about the Vineyard, which sounds really cool. Um, Do you book them all yourself? I mean, I know you said you have a booking agent, but mostly that's just for kind of a few things. Do you mostly book all your own stuff? I would say I book probably two thirds of what I do. Um, just cause I'm pretty busy with the organ repertory singers and you know, that's all they book all that. And then, um, and the booking agent and then the rest of it is, yeah, I, I book it or, or people call me because they want to hire me for a wedding or a funeral or event. So yeah, it's all kind of directly stuff I take care of and communication that I take care of. And for weddings and stuff, do, do people just find you through referrals or are you on like, you know, things like gig salad and stuff like that? So I am on gig master. Okay. So I get some requests through that. I also am on lists at various venues and churches around town. And this has just been through years of playing there. I, when I'm there, I, I try to meet whoever the manager is or whoever kind of the client uh, liaison is and just say, Hey, here's, here's my card. Here's what I do. And, um, you know, if I make a good impression on them, then they'll put me on their list. And so I, I'm on probably three or four different church lists in town. And it's, you know, it's, it's great because they know that I understand their situation. If they have a piano, they've vetted me for using their piano. And so that's, that's part of it too, is just ingratiating yourself with the people that set these things up. Absolutely. Yeah. Very smart. Um, you know, go meet the, the wedding coordinators at the churches. Mm-hmm. Great idea. So how do you like to engage with fans, you know, online? Do you, do you feel like you have a good relationship with your fans online? And what do you find to be the most effective ways to attract new fans online? Hmm. So this is, this is a work in progress for me. It has been for a while. And I need to throw in, I think you do a great job with your newsletter, which, you know, most artists really aren't doing a newsletter and they should be. Hmm. You mean the email newsletter? Yeah. Yeah. That is probably the main way that I stay engaged. And I'm really been working on trying to grow that list by, um, you know, offering a free song if you sign up. And um, I've got a couple other women that I'm friends with that are also small business they run their own small business, but not in the same field. One of them's an artist, another one sells jewelry. And, you know, I did this thing with them before the holidays where if they, uh, you know, they sent an email out to their list and they said something like, happy holidays. Here is a free song from Naomi LaViolette. She's an artist. She's a musician that, um, you know, and they say what they're, whatever they say. And then right there, they send a link to my sign up page. Mm-hmm. And I got tons of new email signups just because I gave a song away to these other people's businesses, which 
I was like, why haven't I been doing this for so long? I mean, I just realized this is a great way to get more people to join my email list and then be connected to me and just kind of grow this web of connections. Now, did you do that for them as well? I would if they'd like me to. They didn't ask, but I would. It's really, really nice to you. That's that's actually, I mean, I know a lot of musicians that trade like that, which is great if you've got, you know, somebody that's maybe not in the exact same area as you, but a similar genre. But I've never heard of anyone doing it with other business owners, which is really smart, especially around the holidays, I think. Mm -hmm. Giving a free song for the holidays is just a nice gift. Yeah. Well, I do say there was some reciprocity just because uh, like the artist, I used her artwork for my Mm. CD cover. And so that gave her, you know, I was blasting that out to everybody about how amazing she is and I love her art. And then the, um, the woman who owns the, who sells jewelry, I'm going to, you know, host an event for her where I, you know, invite my friends to my house and she comes over and and she gets more clients that way. So yeah, it's all very much a, how much can we give to each other and help each other out? Absolutely. I love that idea. I love that idea. So I want to talk to you about, and I know we discussed this before when I first saw it, and I think this is so awesome. Um, You got involved in this project to save the music of Stephen Goodman. Can you explain what that is? Oh, it's been amazing. Um, his name is Stephen Goodwin. Goodwin. Um, Sorry, I wrote yeah. that down wrong. I knew there was something wrong with that. <laughs> Other people have made the same mistake, so it's okay. That is just the biggest example of stepping into stepping into the day each day to do the right thing by another person and then seeing what comes of it uh, and the good that comes of it. So a, a dear friend of mine essentially confided in me that her dad had early onset Alzheimer's and he was a composer and a pianist and had never really recorded or written down much of the music that he composed. And he'd been composing his entire life, started as a teenager and now he's in his 60s and had just song, so many songs, beautiful songs. And he's was struggling to be able to play them because of the progression of the disease. And it was, it was, it was hard enough that he had the disease and just the tragedy of that. But then to have the, the fear of losing the music that he's created, that was the soundtrack of their family, their childhood. It was just devastating. And I just was like, I, I can help, you know, you're my friend. I love your family. I love you. Uh, I know how to learn songs by ear. Why don't we just have you have him play for me what he can and I'll do my best to learn them and then we can record them and have them preserved so you can listen to them mm. for the rest of your life and we can share them. And Anyway, so it just started out as this kind of trying to help a family in need and uh, it's turned into so much more than I could have ever imagined <laughs> uh, or dreamed. We, we met every other week or so for the past few years and he would just play what he could. And I would, you know, take a voice memo on my phone and record what he could do in pieces. And then I would take that home and learn the pieces and 
kind of glue them together in my mind and then come back and play them for him. And he would help me make sure I had them all in the right order and had all the right notes and rhythms and dynamics and tempo and all that. Cause he could still, he still very much knew the music. Mm, he just couldn't, just translate. couldn't get it down to his fingers as well. Oh. And, um, you know, there's, they say with Alzheimer's, there's, you know, there's just networks that don't work as well anymore. And so in a way it was like, I was kind of becoming that network for him. And so then we said, okay, let's get these on a record. And we started sharing the story with friends and we made a record of probably 16, I think it's 16 of his songs and released it on CD baby, you know, just like kind of always done, put a CD out on CD baby, share it. And, um, since then, it's, there was this article, very, very large article on the front page of the Oregonian on Easter Sunday, where one of their best writers, Tom Hallman, did a story about our whole, essentially, living room experience. Of, mm. And how did he find out about it? Did somebody bring the story to him? Uh, yeah, um, their daughter, one of their daughters said, this guy writes stories like human interest stories and he's a Pulitzer prize winner mm. for his interest stories. And he, he's at the Oregonian. Let's reach out to him and see if he's interested in this. And he, he jumped on it right away and then oh, he yeah. came and started interviewing us and observed some sessions and then just wrote this beautiful piece that ended up appearing in the week, which is a national magazine, the Saturday evening post, different online sources like long reads. It ended up in that. And he's been, he's, I think he won a journalism and he got first place in a journalism uh, competition for the piece. And it just took our little story and exploded it <laughs> because then uh cbs national news decided to come out and film us we were on uh sun cbs sunday morning which after that happened then everybody all these people all over the nation said i, I want to listen to this music so then we had huge cd sales and streams and then our and then the cd went to number two on billboard oh my god on the new age chart. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> and it, it really just started with, uh, wanting to help my friend. Wow. <laughs> and that's what, that is what is unbelievable about it to me because it was, it was really just kind of being the right person at the right time in the right place with the right friend and the right relationships and, and the right, and the skills necessary to, to essentially extract this music from him. Mm. It's been quite a journey. Of something that if you had had a nine to five job, it would have been much harder to do this. Exactly. And I, and when I first, when this all started taking off, I was just like, my goodness, thank my, thank my friend that told me to not get tied down. Cause I never would have been able to take this on. Mm. Wow. Well, can you let people know how they can find that? And is it like, what's the artist's name and how do they look that up on CD Baby? Okay. So the record is called The Nature of Love. And the artist names on it are Stephen Craig Goodwin and Naomi LaViolette were on there together. Even though I was the pianist for the whole record, I was really trying to play it in the way that Stephen played his pieces. So we decided to make it... Um, as we were both the artists. Mm. Wow. That's really, really cool. I just and then you can, 
You can find out about the project at savinghismusic.com. I love that you got a a domain name and everything. (laughs) So cool. Well, um, I'm so glad we got to talk about that because I just was really fascinated by that when I saw it in your newsletter. And I was like, wow, that is just neat. I've never heard of anyone doing something like that. Um, And just the opportunity for us as artists to be able to bless a family like that and also just inspire everybody. Very, very cool. Steven's, Steven's main goal with this, he, he's always wanted his music to inspire people. But now that it's got this story and he's having to essentially tell the world he has Alzheimer's, which, mm-hmm. is, which is an act of bravery, I have to yeah. say. Uh, but he's just like, I just, however it's going to inspire people, that's what he wants to do. Mm, that is so awesome. So it's really been neat to get to know him and, and just his heart for music and for others. It's very, it's been a gift, huge gift to me as well. Mm, that's so great. Well, before we finish, I just wanted to, to shift gears real quick and ask you, since we talked earlier about not having an education in business and all that stuff, do you have any um, books or resources that really helped you in growing the business side of your music that you would recommend to our listeners? I usually ask most people this question so we can kind of amass a great deal of resources that people Yeah. Have. Well, I have to say automation is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've, been, uh, I've been really happy with using MailChimp because mm-hmm. they, uh, they have so much automation stuff set up for you to be able to use. And, you know, so if someone signs up to get my emails, they automatically get a free song download and they automatically get this series of emails in my welcome automation that I've built that essentially gradually introduce them to what I do as a musician and some of the music I've released over the years. And I don't have, I set it up once and it's done. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do anything. And it's just great. I also um, have been automating what I do on social media in that I'll take one day and schedule out, you know, posts for the next week or two. And then forget about it, <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> which really is so cool. nice because I don't want to be fair. What am I going to write today? I don't know. So I'm always kind of keeping my, my mind open for content and then um, just trying to get, have that part of my schedule where I'm staying involved and, you know, creating engagement and, and creating a community on my pages and then last, I... Let me ask you real quick, what, okay. what do you use for that automation? Do you use a specific service? Well, I, so I've been using Hootsuite, which um, posts the same post to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Right. And the only problem with that, though, is I can't... If I want to tag people in the different platforms, it kind of gives me one option. They don't want you to cross tag or something. Right. So sometimes if, if for like little short just posts where maybe I only tag one of the platforms, Hootsuite's great for that. But if you really want to, you know, get the most out of the platforms, you have to go into into it and add the tag. And but It's true. I don't know any service that will let you cross tag. Like, I mean, they just, on what I use is Meet Edgar and they now have it where you can easily tag people in Twitter, but it doesn't work for Facebook. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to... Yeah specific if you want to really take advantage of tagging people. 
Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, well, at least, at least I'm staying active. Yep. And there's something, so there's something new on there for people to go and see. And I do want to say that for the last two months, I've been working with a marketing company named Vermedius. And that's been really great. They essentially have grown my social media numbers for me mm. on Instagram and Twitter. And my engagements have increased by 100% in two months. So it's been great to sort of hand that off to them and not have to, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And I, and I really want to make sure I'm writing music and <laughs> arranging. Right. So are they in there engaging or are they creating content or are you having to hand them content? They don't create any content for me. They don't post on my behalf, but they essentially get followers for me. And they know how to uh, kind of chase the audience that would best, you know, like my music. And, and so they do it's this not for, just random followers. It's very targeted. It is, yeah, it is targeted. And I've seen um, a lot of engagement go up on my profiles. And I've seen just more activity with sales and people signing up on my email list. And it's hard to tell exactly how it's all connected. Mm-hmm. But... This way, my uh, those accounts, because I was pretty active on Facebook and kind of just didn't have the time for the other two. And now that I have essentially a team on it every day working to build it and add followers, wow, it's just been great because it, it all kind of works together. Yeah, that's, you know, kind of a different route than like getting a VA to do that kind of stuff for you. Um, So it's nice that there are those services out there. Did you say it's called Remedius? It's called Vermedius. 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 And if if people want to find out more about that company, they can send me an email or go to their website and they have a contact form. And yeah, they've been a great service. Perfect. Well, um, perfect segue. Let people know how they can find you on social media. And if you want to give out your email, that's totally up to you as well. Oh, yeah, sure. So it's my Facebook page is just uh, the handles just Naomi LaViolette. And same for Instagram and Twitter. My YouTube page is the handle is Naomi L Music. And then my email address is Naomi at naomielmusic.com. And then my website is uh, naomielmusic.com. Perfect. So just my first name, my last name, first initial, which is L, and then the word music. Awesome. Perfect. It has been so great to talk to you today and get your unique perspective on how you know, how we can make it as musicians and entrepreneurs and, you know, be able to support ourselves with what we love. So thank you so much for sharing all that you did. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And I really enjoy your podcast. So it's great to be a part of it. Thanks so much. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.